Welcome to the Transit Lounge. I'm your host, Chandra. As a recovering workaholic, I want to explore how you can do more of what you love without burning out. I'm on a mission to promote true well-being, the contented state of being happy, healthy, and prosperous. Through interviews with savvy entrepreneurs, authors, and industry experts, we'll share insights, inspiration, and practical tips on how you can be CEO you in the business of your life. Let's go. Hello, welcome to the Transit Lounge podcast. Thank you for being here and especially a thank you if you are listening on Monday, which is when the episodes come out. And I guess if you're listening on a Monday, that means that this is something that you're doing as part of your weekly schedule maybe. And if that's you, then good on you and thank you for supporting by listening to the podcast. Now, this week's episode is about optimism. And why I'm doing this is because I earlier this week was in Melbourne and I'd been reading a magazine called Breathe, which is a very relaxing magazine actually to read. And I read an article that was in there about expectations and that brought up this concept, I guess, if you like, of optimism. And I enjoyed reading it and I am someone who I often describe myself as a bit of a Pollyanna, which I'm probably showing my age, but when I was growing up, there was a TV show that had a character, Pollyanna, and I think there were books the TV show was based on. And she was someone that was pretty much always pretty cheery and looking on the positive side of life. So I do sometimes describe myself as a Pollyanna. I've also had quite a lot of people in recent times be commenting about my energy and, you know, people spending time or being around me and, you know, wanting a bit of the sort of energy or vibe that I have. And it's funny, I guess it's like they say that goldfish can't see or aren't aware of the water that they swim in because it just is there and how they do what they do. And so it's the same for human beings. Often there's things that you might do that you don't even realize the impact they have on other people because it's just you being you. So this whole thing about the energy and the vibe that I put out there has been coming up a little bit. So I did a, a, a quick Facebook live for my private Facebook group members about optimism and uh, bringing it to their day and to their week and got some great interaction from that. So it's been kicking around for me and I decided, right, I'm going to make this episode about optimism. And I think for me, when I think about why I'm an optimist, there's probably lots of different reasons, but I think I've just always thought that it's a better use of your energy that it takes quite a little, lot of energy to be negative. And so I guess that's one thing. But the other side of it is that I became aware a while ago through different coach training and human behavior training that I've done about our negativity bias and that's connected to our survival. And it's the neuro, so I, I think he's called a neuropsychologist, Rick Hansen, Describe that the human brain is wired to be like Teflon for the good stuff and Velcro for the not so good stuff. And therefore, it can sometimes be harder for us to recognize or notice and appreciate the things that are going well in our life. It's easier for us to notice and to be aware of all the things that are annoying or uncomfortable or taking too long or causing drama or issues. That's sort of where our brains go, which was helpful when we 
I guess were cavemen and women or you know living out in the jungle somewhere but these days having that kind of default to just seeing what's wrong or what's not going right more so than what is doesn't really help us thrive as much so I think that there comes with it a bit of a opportunity to build our optimism muscle the other thing that has, I guess, brought this up to be even more top of mind for me this week is I've been doing a project working in a very different work environment, so running some workshops in a work situation that's very different from what I'm used to, and they're doing quite a big culture change piece. And amongst the participants in these workshops that are employees, there's quite a number of them who are I have experienced as being extremely negative. And what I've noticed with that is that for me, it's kind of unusual for me to spend extended time around those kind of people. And I noticed the impact that it had for me and I guess a feeling of heaviness. In fact, I'm sitting here even as I'm thinking about it and I'm sort of stretching out my shoulders, you know, the, the, the back, the upper back, I guess, between your shoulder blades are feeling like, oh, I just want to stretch that out because it's the the pressure or something of negativity does have a real weight to it. And so I wanted to do this episode to just share some thoughts about optimism and to explore it a little bit, particularly when you're going through change. And let's face it, as human beings, we're pretty much always going through some kind of change. And then there's peak moments of of significant change, whether it's moving house or changing jobs or Uh, some other kind of significant change that might be happening in your life. And I think that by exploring optimism and looking at the ways that you can develop more of a lean towards optimism or developing that as a muscle is only going to help you and be a positive thing. And the thing is that I believe that optimism is a choice. I will acknowledge that it's not always an easy choice, but it is still a choice. And there's a lot of benefits. So as I was looking into it and doing a bit of research around this topic since I read the little magazine article, there was lots of uh, results that came up around studies that have shown a lot of the benefits of, of optimism and being an optimist, such as if you have a healthier outlook, which is what really being an optimist is or one of the things, it showed or a lot of the studies show that you would be less susceptible to illness, fatigue and depression was one little takeout that I came across. Uh, and there's lots of other sort of medical things too. And as a caveat before I go into more of those, this is not saying that you're just going to blindly only see the positive and to not be realistic or, or have a sense of realism about what's going on. So it's about a balance of assuming that things will be good in the future but not assuming that only good things will happen in the future. So we'll explore that a little bit in a second. Um, Other benefits that I came across was that having a positive kind of outlook and, and orientation, I guess, also affects your beliefs about yourself, about the world, about the future, about what's happening, and therefore the behaviors that you take, the action that you take, what you do do, what you don't do. It's very much about your ability to cope with life, whatever it throws at you, and building your own sense of personal resilience. 
So it's not about just blindly trying to live in some fantasy, happy, chappy world. It's actually looking at how do you expect positive things and bounce back when things don't necessarily go positively. How do you bounce back faster or easier? Uh, Other health benefits there's a lot of studies done um, at harvard uh, at the in the u.s and uh, also in europe a lot of studies about the benefits on heart health and improving blood pressure they did a study where they uh, one of them that i read was with i think it was 190 odd people that were healthy that they uh, tested and what they did was they did these various questionnaires and baseline studies and then they injected them with some kind of virus and what they've their results showed was that the um, people that tended to be more positive were less likely to develop some kind of symptoms of the virus um, compared to the, the more negative people studies have also shown that optimists tend to live longer and quite substantially one of the studies that i read said that they found that uh, women were living eight to ten years longer if they had more of a tendency towards optimism rather than pessimism that's a long time to live longer so it's fairly significant in another study that i found they studied over two thousand people and over two years so not just like a a short-term thing and uh, what they found was the people with a more positive outlook were over the two-year period more healthy and were living a more um, independent life than those people that were a little bit more negative. They also found that people that are optimists tend to have better relationships and that they do better at work, whether they are uh, in their role or if they're managing other people, helping people see different opportunities and to be able to achieve their goals and even when it came to job hunting and the difference in the results that optimists found the job hunting process easier and faster but at the same time that's an example where the optimists weren't just sitting back and you know expecting oh everything's going to be fine something's going to come along and not doing anything they were also realistic about the action that they needed to take in terms of putting themselves out there, working out what they wanted to do next, how they could add value and taking all those steps that you need to to take. So let's have a look what actually is the definition of optimism. Hopefulness and confidence about the future or the success of something. Then there was another one that was talking about that optimism is a form of positive thinking that includes the belief that you are responsible for your own happiness and that more good things will continue to happen to you in the future. So this is a thing where it seems to be a combination about yourself, but also a big takeout that it's it's a trait, it's a character trait, if we like, rather than something that you either have or you don't have, and it can actually be developed. And again, this is not about something that you're just going to blindly go in and ignore the bad things or sad things or unfortunate things but it's mostly a trait about how you interpret and respond and think about certain situations and yourself there was also a reference point made around the different types of optimism and the different ways that you can uh, i guess train your brain towards more optimism 
one of the things that I found around the uh, definitions of optimism was on a positive um, encyclopedia website and they were talking about some distinctions that were made by a person whose name I am probably about to butcher and I'm so sorry for doing that but her name is Sonia Lubomirsky, Lubomirsky, something like that, and uh, from UC Riverside, which I think is a university, so I think she's a um, professor of some sort. Anyway, she has uh, distinguished between three different types of optimism, big optimism, little optimism, and very small optimism. (laughs) And the distinctions between those is that big optimism is kind of a broad feeling that things are generally going well in your life and it's a good time to be alive and everything's pretty good. So that's, I guess, big picture optimism. Then there's little optimism, which she describes as more about specific sort of day-to-day things that are happening that, you know, if you've got some kind of um, big meeting or presentation that you're doing that it, it will go well or that, you know, the the flight is going to arrive on time or whatever it is. It's sort of small day-to-day things. And then very small optimism is just believing that you'll get through this day or this week or this month or whatever. So, you know, smaller little pieces of optimism. Because optimism is often talked about as like it's one big thing. But I think what this suggests is that there's different degrees of it, different aspects. And it also suggests that it's possible potentially to be optimistic in certain aspects of your life whilst potentially be a little uh, less optimistic or pessimistic in others and finding a little bit of um, a balance around um, those distinctions. I found some awesome quotes about optimism. Some I'll share in this episode and some I'll probably just post on social media. Um, One of them that I found was actually by Winston Churchill and he said, for myself, I am an optimist. It does not seem to be much use to be anything else. And I like that because there's reference to it being about use. And for me, that's about, well, is it useful is something that I often think of or ask myself with what I'm doing, thinking, believing, etc. And so I like the fact that there does not seem to be much use to be anything else. So it's therefore more useful to be an optimist. So I wanted to share just some thoughts about what are the things that you can practically, tangibly do to build more optimism into your day, into your week, into your life. And one of the things that I found was research that has showed that apparently about 25% of our optimism gene or bias is uh, inherited. And the rest of it is influenced by other factors. So that actually means that no matter what your circumstances were when you were growing up, you still have a decent chunk of percentage that you can play with in terms of what you can influence to build on that initial 25% or change the direction of, of the remaining 75%. So I have come up with 10 ideas of things that you could do to build more optimism into your day and into your life. And particularly when you're going through change, I think having some of these things that are tangible things is really useful so that you can try and counterbalance the natural brain wiring towards noticing the more pessimistic or the negative side of things. 
So I'm going to go through my 10 top tips for uh, creating optimism in the face of change. And one of the first things that, that came up through the various research that I was looking at is the influence of finding purpose and meaning in your work and in your life. And as you know, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, that is what I am all about, helping people, particularly women, to earn great money doing work they love without burning out. That's what I think everyone should be striving for. And so finding purpose and meaning in your work and your life has a huge influence on how you feel about what you're doing. So making that important enough to explore, that it's not being selfish, it's not being unreasonable, it's actually good for you to find purpose and meaning in your work and life. The second thing is to actually write down the what was described as the best possible outcomes for your different aspects of your life. And this is something that I often do in the different goal setting workshops that I do, where there's an activity that's designed to really allow you to capture and paint a picture for yourself of if it was exactly how you want it to be in the future, what would be happening? And you can do this for your whole life. You can do this specifically for different aspects of your life. And yes, it can be tricky sometimes when you first start to do it, but exploring even the ideas of if this was really great, it went really well, what would happen? What would you be doing? So if you are going through a period of change in some aspect of your life at the moment, then maybe you could just sit down, grab a nice cup of coffee or tea or chai or kombucha or whatever you want to drink. And for that aspect of your life, write down what would be the best possible outcome for that. So if you're uh, going to be doing some sort of career change, transition, what would be the sort of things that you, would make you think, yeah, that's exactly how I would like to be. That's exactly what I'd like to be spending my time doing. Just exploring the full optimist view of how this could go and writing it down has power. So definitely worth uh, doing that. Third idea is thinking happy thoughts. And I get that that can sound a little bit cheesy. However, studies have shown that if you want to be happy, do things that make you happy and think about things that make you happy. That's basically just linking to the lens that you bring to your day-to-day life. I remember doing an activity at a training that I went to and one of the activities we had to pair up with someone, with a stranger, and just look at them, make eye contact with them. And then the trainer gave us different filters, if you like. And he was saying, pretend that you you are putting on some sunglasses or some kind of glasses, and I'm going to give you a filter to look through. And you're going to look at that person with this feeling in mind. And for example, he was saying, I want you to look at this person with uh, love. And we would then do our best to do that. Uh, Or he would say joy, or he would say anger or frustration. And it was so freaking interesting that playing that game, you could see and feel the difference. Nothing else had changed except the filter that that you, you, or in that instance, I was looking at this person through and the different feelings that that invoked. So it's really powerful for you to be aware of the filter that you are looking at things through 
and if that's not a helpful filter of potentially changing that. Number four, potentially review who you hang out with because the people that you hang out with have a massive influence over how you feel and the kind of person that you are becoming. I don't know who said it, but it's been kicking around for years that saying that um, you become like the five people you hang around the most. And that can sometimes be a really exciting thing and sometimes maybe a little bit scary. But it is definitely worth, if you're wanting to increase the amount of optimism in your life, it's definitely worth you considering, well, who do you hang out with? And are they people that are uplifting to you? or that consistently bring you down. And I'm not saying that if you've got friends or family that are going through a hard time and they're in a little bit of a negative space that you should just drop them like a hot potato. However, accumulatively over time, if a relationship isn't inspiring and nurturing and and a positive one for you, then perhaps it is worth considering how much time and energy you want to give that person or that relationship. Because you're literally exposing yourself to that vibe and that energy and even that that word exposed it's there's a vulnerability there's something that's inferred there about you are going to be impacted by the vibe and the energy of that person so just like me feeling a little bit weighed down and a little tight and tense and heavy because of the number of people I hung around with or was exposed to this week that are more negative than I usually I felt that So if they were in my life all the time, that would have a huge negative impact, I think. And as you're thinking about who you hang out with, spend time with, that also expands to include what other messages that you're exposed to. So looking at things like what kind of TV do you watch? Are you listening to um, podcasts that are uplifting? Well, you're listening to this one, so hopefully that's a good start. (laughs) But other than you being an awesome human being that's choosing to listen to this podcast right now, what are the other media that you're exposed to? The the TV shows that you watch or movies that you watch, what you read, even the radio station that you listen to or the type of music. What are all those messages and that vibe contributing to cumulatively in your life? And is it time for you to add some more optimist and optimism to your network and to your playlist of whatever that is number five idea is writing in a gratitude journal now this is something that i started a few years ago probably maybe four or five years ago i'm looking up on my bookshelf to try and see because i've i've kept the gratitude journals that i've written in so far and this can be something that can sometimes be seen as a bit kind of cheesy And even when I first started it, I wasn't really sure how to do it. I wasn't really sure if I would stick to it. And I didn't know how much I was going to write and what was right, what was wrong. But as I got started with it, it has become a, a daily practice for me to, at the end of each day before I go to bed, to write in my gratitude journal. And I remember Mick was kind of a bit perplexed when I first told him I was going to do this. And he saw this this. 365 page book and he's like are you going to write in that every day and I was like yep and I'm going to have a crack at it so it was something that took a little adjusting to and there's different ways that you can do it I tend to these days write a bit for sort of free form today I'm grateful for and whatever it is and I just go through reflecting on my day 
Other people take the approach of writing three things, three specific things just as like a bullet point that they were grateful for in that day. There's no right or wrong. Some people just do one thing they're grateful for. What I have found is that often uh, I fill up a whole page and I'm writing down the side of the column and all that and thinking, oh, maybe I need to get a bigger book. Because the more you start looking for things to be grateful for, the more you start to be on the lookout for it. So it's definitely a really good practice to get into. And something that I was reading recently is the importance and the impact of including things that you're grateful for about yourself. So not just moments that you experienced during the day or interactions you had with others. They're great things to include. Also to include things that you're grateful for about maybe how you handled a situation or something that you personally did or achieved in that day because what that feeds is your sense of self-esteem and your self-esteem being higher builds and breeds more confidence so there's lots of spill-on effects of uh, spending some time being grateful number six acknowledging things that are outside of your control And this is where the balance point comes in to alleviate the risk of you tripping into an unhealthy level of optimism where you're just blindly living in some kind of alternate fantasy world where there's no reality because you're not taking any action. You're just believing that things are going to work out fine and so you don't have to do anything. So by acknowledging the things that are outside of your control, Automatically, you then are identifying the things that are in your control and they're the things that you can do something about because there's still realities in life and in any kind of situation to be addressed. There's still action that needs to be taken. So that's where you want to just acknowledge. Sometimes things aren't going to go your way and that's okay. And it's just about how you respond to and interpret those events and what you actually do about them. So acknowledging the things that you can't control and focusing on the things that you can. Number seven idea is to do more of what feels good to you. And this is where you want to spend a little bit of time just thinking about, well, what is it that you enjoy? Is it walking the dog? Is it being by the water, going for a swim? Is it um, running? My brother loves going running and has done little marathons and all, all that kind of thing, which I admire him for doing that. It's not something that I feel drawn to. And that's an example of what makes you happy may not make somebody else happy, but doing it for you is a great gift to give yourself. So figuring out, do you like painting? Do you like reading? Do you like singing? What are those things and how can you inject more of those into your day, into your week, so that you've got those moments of joy that again feeds that sense of um, positive energy in your life? Number eight is to celebrate. Uh, I'm a fan of celebrating. Any excuse will do. Mick and I actually celebrated once finishing a catering size roll of glad wrap. Yeah, it is kind of weird, but we were celebrating because we'd bought that roll, a catering size. I can't even remember how many kilometers of glad wrap there was. We bought it when we first moved into the house. So it was like a little milestone moment and we probably just wanted another excuse to drink some champagne. And so we did. We opened a bottle of champagne as we broke down the box of um, glad wrap and we opened the new one. So that's probably the weirdest thing I have ever 
celebrate it. But it gives you a good benchmark. You can find really good things to celebrate. If I can celebrate finishing a roll of Glad Wrap, you can find some good things in your life to celebrate too. But those little milestones are really worth acknowledging and making it into a bit of a, a, a moment, I guess, when there's those opportunities. You know, it could be things of acknowledging, you know, that you put together an IKEA piece of furniture and actually it worked the first time round. <laughs> whatever it might be, celebrating certain work achievements or celebrating um, client achievements, all those sorts of things are really important to just infuse a little bit more fun and celebration into your life. Number nine is to become a little bit more watchful or on the lookout for your self-talk, that inner dialogue, because we all have that inner mean girl voice that comes out pretty nasty sometimes. And so you want to balance against that bias of it being nasty and to try to inject a little bit more of a sense of friendliness to yourself and potentially inject some positive mantras that are going to help build that bias towards I guess speaking nicely to yourself internally and being a bit more positive I guess about you and what's going on and there's other podcast episodes where I've shared different mantras that can be useful especially motivating in times of change things like that so definitely worth injecting a little bit more positive and optimistic self-talk. Number 10 is to relish anticipation and give yourself opportunities to anticipate because again there's been lots of studies shown about the importance of anticipation. One TED talk that I watched was sharing a study that was done with I think university students and they were asked how much they would pay to get a, a kiss from a certain celebrity that they really liked and how much would they would pay depending on when they would get the kiss, how much they would pay if they got the kiss today, if they got it within uh, three days, a year, or 10 years or something. So that sort of spectrum of how much they would pay depending on when they got the kiss. So bizarre the things that scientists do studies on. Anyway, what they found was that the students would pay the most if they got the kiss in three days. And part of what they have extrapolated from that about why that's the prime position or time frame to get it is that if they got it today, then that was it. It's done. It's all over. If they had to wait 10 years a year, it's too long to wait. So three days seemed to be the optimal time frame because it gave them enough time to anticipate and be a little bit of that buzz of nervousness or um, excitement or, or whatever. And I think there's lots of different aspects of our life where anticipation can enhance the experience. And if you don't get enough of that, then it somehow can devalue the experience. And I know that for me, like in the past, sometimes Mick has had challenges, shall we say, at committing to when we could go away on holidays. And that was frustrating to me because I like to plan the holidays and know they're coming. But I, I think I'm only just realizing that a big part of that was not about it costs us more if we book our flights later or we don't get to plan certain things if we're not booking far enough in advance. They're all valid components probably. But I really think that a big part of my frustration in the past was missing out on the anticipation of an upcoming holiday. 
we've got one coming up. We're going to Thailand in early June. And I'm so excited. I think I've been doing the countdown for, you know, over a, a month. And it is, it's a little buzz. It's like, oh, we've got that to look forward to. And that tends to, again, create a sense of optimism about the future. So making some plans for what's happening in the future in the different aspects of your life. Give yourself things to look forward to that are going to pull you forward in an optimistic way. There are the 10, 10 ideas uh, to create a bit more optimism in your day and in your life. And some of the things might sound a little bit cheesy and maybe some of them might sound a little bit simple. And the thing is that when things sound simple, we can overlook them or devalue the impact that they could have. But I just really encourage you, out of those 10, maybe just choose one or two that you could experiment with to see how you feel and to see whether you do start to notice a bit more of an optimistic vibe in your life. This is going to require some effort for you to take some action. It's not just going to magically show up if you're not doing anything differently. But I encourage you to do it, to have a go. And I want to finish with a, a thought from a, an author called Sean Anker. I've been listening to him a little bit and reading some of his quotes and bits and pieces recently. And I, I like his take on things. And he was talking about that whole reference point of that an optimist sees a glass as half full, a pessimist sees it as half empty. And what he said, one of his quotes that I read was, the contents of the glass don't matter. What's more important is to realize there's a pitcher of water nearby, he says. In other words, we have the capacity to refill the glass or to change our outlook. So it's not about what the situation is perceived to be. It's about how we perceive our ability to change whatever the reality is right now. So I want to leave you with that and wish you all the best. I hope you have a great week full of optimism, realistic optimism. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to The Transit Lounge. If you liked it, please do me a favor and leave a review so I can keep doing more episodes for you. And come and say hi in the private Facebook group, The Transit Lounge, being CEO you in the business of your life. I really look forward to connecting with you there. And until then, do whatever you can to create a future that you will love through the choices you make today.